0: Because no race has the last word on culture and on civilization. They do not know what we are capable of. They do not know what we are thinking. They are thinking in terms of dreadnoughts, battleships,
1: airplanes, submarines. You know what we are thinking about? That is our own private business. You are listening to The Brown CEO. You are listening to The Brown CEO. I'm your host, Selma Idris. Follow the conversation every week as I speak to some of the dopest minds from around the planet about what's broken and how we're going to fix it. This is the conversation between us every Tuesday. Yella, let's go. Hello and welcome to the Brown CEO. I'm your host, Selma Idris. On our agenda today is a conversation with Syrita Gates. Syrita Gates is an art collector, culture creator, and archivist committed to preserving hip-hop culture. As the founder of the Gates Preserve, working in digital archiving and projects that will preserve the culture, she hopes to solidify the culture of hip-hop as history. She has a degree in urban youth culture from Hunter and is currently completing her master's in moving image archiving and preservation at New York University. Zyreta's latest work, Right On, The Legend of Hip-Hop's Ink Slingers, is a documentary about the writers that have shaped hip-hop as we know it. The documentary tells the stories of the overlooked narrators, the storytellers, for what is now popular culture. I wanted to talk to Cyrita today and learn about your why, learn about your what, and explore how you're approaching your mission. Welcome, Cyrita.
0: What's going on? Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for
1: coming. Of course, of course. Um, So... Well, I, we had a little conversation before we got on about your name. Yeah. And how impressed I was about ah, your name. Like hello, how established, it's just a beautiful name. Thank you. Can tell me a little it. bit more about it.
0: Absolutely. Um. So it's not often that I go in depth about my name. So mm-hmm. you get an exclusive. Oh. Um. Yes, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, so my full name is Sarita Cassandra Gates. My first name, my mother is like the biggest Stevie Wonder fan in like history. Is like I tell people, (laughs) Stevie Wonder's my dad, Like it's just so much easier. So, um, my first name comes from Sarita Wright, the late Sarita Wright, who was a singer, she was on Motown, she also was Stevie Wonder's first wife. So that's how I got my first name. Uh, my middle name, my grandmother gave it to me. It was from Cassandra from Dark Shadows, which was a show back in the day, like a soap. Um, and <laughs> Gates. I say, call me Philly Collins. I feel a billion is in it. air. Like, <laughs> so yeah, Sarita Cassandra Gates. That's my whole name. Um, grateful for it. It does sound good. It sounds it's like, fantastic. It sounds yeah. that, but
1: and that's the Gate Preserve, the Gates Preserve too. The name yeah. of the, the organization that I want to talk about. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Is
1: it, it does. It, gives, yeah. it lends that establishment to it, too. Yes. Like, okay, Come
0: girl. on. I mean, it the name chose me. I didn't have any choice in that. So And you just walked into it. Yep. Hello. Yep. Is yep. it me you're looking for? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so tell me about the Gates Preserve.
0: Yeah, so the Gates Preserve is a multimedia experience company committed to preserving and archiving hip-hop in such a way. So it's like the parent company, and under it we have the film, uh, the documentary about hip-hop journalists. We have Yo, Stay Hungry, uh, which is a live culinary competition that bridges hip-hop food and beverage. We also have like an art collection. Uh, we're going to be doing some work in like the archiving space, so like digitizing, acquiring some some new acquisitions that we're like working on that we're really excited about. So- Gates Reserve is a museum, library, um, and archive. Why? Because it matters. Like hip. All All right. So let me let me break it down so it can forever yeah. and continuously be broke. Right. Mm-hmm. So my grandmother died in two thousand nine, and I think I think I was twenty one. I had just turned twenty one because she died three days after my birthday. And when it happened, I was like, Dad, I feel like, and I was mad. I mean. I was cool with my grandmother. Like, I love my grandmother, but when somebody passes, you realize how much you don't know about the person. Yeah, um, so during that time, I had decided to go back to college. Like, I had dropped out previously, and I found myself taking classes that would tell me, that would inform me more about the type of world she lived in, right? So one class in particular, I was taking a class called The Urbanizations of African Americans in in the book that was required reading was The Warmth of Other Sons. Um, and essentially that book is about the Great Migration, right? So mm-hmm. my grandmother was born in North Carolina um, in 1926. She moved to New York, Harlem, 1940. So she's a part of that Great Migration. Okay. And so outside of, you know, taking classes around my mother, I mean, my grandmother, I started taking classes around my mother. My mother was born in 1950. So I just, I needed to... Find out more information. And as so for the class that I was um, that I was taking specifically that reminded me and my grandmother, we had to do a report and I interviewed my grandmother's best friend. I found out I didn't know that they though they were from the same town in North Carolina. I didn't realize or I didn't know that they met in New York. Which is crazy. Like, my grandmother's best friend knew, like, my grandmother's siblings, all of that. Shout out to Miss Lois, Aunt Lois one time. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, they met here. So I was like, oh, that's dope. And as I really started, you know, so that was 2009. Now, in 2019, I realized that my grandmother really informed my ideas around... Um, archiving in a very particular way because I'm like, how can we ensure that things last forever? Okay. So I want to be able to type my grandmother's name in Google and something come up. And so my commitment is like, how can I do the work that will inform that? Mm-hmm. Right? So that's what uh, Yo Stay Hungry looks like. Uh, that's what, you know, the film looks like. And so everything is essentially informing another thing so that it lasts forever. Um, and so You know, even just thinking about being people of color, oftentimes our stories, one, aren't told by us, but two, there's no legacy of our Mm -hmm. stories. It's like... You know, it's like telephone. I can tell you a story, you're going to tell somebody else a story, that story is probably going to be different from the story that I told you, right? So how can, not only we have a consistent narrative, um, but we have artifacts, we have photos, we have stories, we have the written word, we have audio, we have visual that tells a particular narrative around a particular thing. Um, And so, yeah, my commitment is to ensure that hip-hop lasts forever. And so I'm not out here like, oh, I'm a hip-hop historian. Mm -hmm. That's not my Lane. Yes, we could talk about cool herc and afka bambada, etc. I'm not the best person to talk to about that, but I'm like, how can I create work that that is true to me Mm -hmm. that informs the culture, right? Like everybody is like for the culture, for the culture, for the culture. For me, for the culture looks like preserving the culture, literally. Mm -hmm. It looks like archiving the culture in such a way that if I wanted to Google um, misa Hilton in hundred years from now something comes up if I wanted to google Karen Mayo uh, in a hundred years from now something will come up um, or even if Google is not around in a hundred years where are the uh where are the source materials that I can go to find more information about these people so yeah that's kind of like the gates preserve in the largest nutshell
1: <laughs> so why hip-hop? Because we were talking about your grandma's story. It yep. could have went many different ways. Yeah, there, there, There's so much of us. There's Absolutely. so much to
0: our story. Absolutely. Why hip-hop? Yeah, so hip-hop happened to me. My boy Yadan Israel, who's like this super dope dude, he was like, yo, hip-hop is like your first language. I was like, ooh, yes, <laughs> say that. So I tell everybody hip-hop. hip-hop is my first language. But I think it for me, it it spawns from, you know, my family. Like I always talk about... Uh, four people in three generations. So the first person, my grandmother, born in 1926, um, came from North Carolina. Jessie Mae Jones-Darby uh, moved from North Carolina to Harlem. My mother, born in 1950, born in Harlem, raised in Brooklyn. And my uncle was born in 19 uh, born in 1969 at the top of the year and at the bottom of the year. So and they were like hip hop, like they were hip hop, right? So it's this one story, and so that's like three eras. Like you have like Harlem Renaissance era, you have like Black Panther, Black Power Movement era, Black mm-hmm. Arts Movement, and then you have hip hop, mm-hmm. literally. Um, so my life is literally like history meets hip hop. Um, but hip hop specifically because uh, <laughs> I was I don't even know how old I was. I feel like it was like ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven. I was at my grandmother's house chilling on the steps waiting for my cousin and my uncle to come home, um, and I heard, it's the Jeeps, the Lex scoops, the Beamers, and the Benz. Whoa, whoa. And so during that time, my uncle had a cream SC400 Lexus with, like, gold BBSs. Him and my cousin get out the car. They walk in the door. My uncle has on a silk Versace shirt with the matching shades. And my <laughs> cousin has on a DKNY bodysuit. And I'm like, eight, nine, ten. So I'm like, I don't know what this is but I need to be down. And I feel like that was like really my first introduction with hip hop. It was, I was eight. I wasn't reading vibe magazine. Source. I wasn't reading that. Yeah. I wasn't really like later all about the Benjamins became my favorite. Cause my uncle told my cousin how to drive to all about the Benjamin. Like my other uncle had every cassette tape in history for every rapper. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it was like, it was around, but I, until like that fashion moment happened, shout out to Misa Hilton. Right. Like, Shout out to Groovy, Groovy mm-hmm. Lou. Until that fashion moment happened, I was like, "Oh, this, this is the tipping point." Um, and so, obviously, that's always been at the back of my mind. But as I moved through the world, I was like, "Yeah, like hip hop makes sense for me. It's not.
1: It's like the soundtrack to your life. Yeah,
0: yeah, and and it's not. It's not like something you go and do, right? Like mm-hmm. you don't go." oh, I want to study hip-hop. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, it's what it is. It's how I talk. It's how I move through the world. It's how I carry myself. It's it's literally my chemical makeup. Um, And so I feel like, you know, hip-hop chose me, and I have accepted the challenge. You know, it's like, Jay has this line, this is the life I chose, or rather the life that chose me. It chose me. Like, I could literally be doing anything in the world, but my commitment as of right now, and it might change, and it might evolve, is to preserve and archive hip-hop in such a way that lasts forever.
1: I really like how you spoke about it in comparison to the Harlem Renaissance and then the Black Panther era. Yeah, I, I feel like you made it a little bit more tangible to folks that might you know, fight against being part of the hip hop culture, not understanding that it's just like this is the time we're kind of living in.
0: And you can't even talk about hip hop. Shout out to the OG Greg Tate, known as the godfather of hip hop journalism. You can't mm-hmm. talk about hip hop without talking about blues, without talking about yep. jazz, without talking about the other art forms that inform and give hip hop permission to be what it is. Right. Yep. It's like, yes, I'm a hip hop head. If you play Stevie Wonder, we could go toe-to-toe every song and the songs of the key of life. Mm-hmm. Like, I grew up. Like, my mother is 69. My mother's gonna be 69 and shit. I didn't grow up listening to Little Kim's Hardcore. Yeah. Like, I did she not. She was his
1: wife and still had respect enough to name <laughs> you, him you know after him? his wife. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like, She's like, my
0: mother was love. clear. Like, yeah. I was growing up. I was listening to Aretha Franklin. I was listening to Prince. I was listening to Patti LaBelle. I was listening to The Temptations. Stevie, like, Stevie one Yeah. I wasn't listening to No, say it. I you know, like it. You know what I'm I saying? love this
1: because it it allows people to understand that it's an informed art. Form. Absolutely. It's not coming out of nowhere. It's just like these are music heads Correct. that are making that are Correct. expressing themselves differently to the beat that's happening in, at, in the current moment in time. So, Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And if you listen to hip hop, like there's so many James Brown samples. Mm-hmm. Like that like it's just, is absolutely insane. So hip-hop is informed by a lot of those people, um, if not all of those people that I mentioned. So it's like one hand watch the other, both hands watch the face.
1: So we were talking uh, on a recent episode to a historian, mm-hmm. uh, professor of history. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the insights that we were speaking about was how he talked about history's fluid. Yeah. Uh, it's ever-changing. Yep. Um, and as somebody that's working in something that's not over, it's not like you're researching the yeah, Harlem Renaissance. Correct. It's like hip hop is now. Yep. It's the largest movement yep. in music and entertainment and pop culture happening now. Yep. Um, how do you feel? How do you work through what's your relationship with the current work of hip hop right now? Because yeah. the old school has this. Yeah,
0: this, but, this, but that's this, like with this, anything, right? Yeah. It's like. And if you look at the different generations of jazz or the different generations of R&B, there was a time when cats was like, oh, like the OGs was not messing with the young cats," and vice versa. So I'm like, yes, everything that people are doing now in the scope of hip hop, whether it's music or fashion or sports, et cetera, is necessary for what we need right now. So I'm never going to be like, oh, so-and-so. Is not important in the culture. You know what I'm saying? It's like nobody wins when the family feuds. Yeah. Literally, nobody wins. So I think you know, it's just my job in particular to create to bridge that gap, mm-hmm. right? It's like, how, like people don't necessarily like Harry Belafonte and Jay Z both have family members named Blue. Like you know what I'm saying? Like it's subtle things in the culture that you know, informs one another. So to answer your question around like how I feel about kind of like the new age, you know, you have your little pumps, verts, et cetera, et cetera. Like those cats is necessary because yeah. in 10 years, it's going to be some new cats saying, oh, the old cats, you know, didn't allow me or didn't give me space or permission to do A, B, C, D, and E. So all of those, you know, all of those people are informed by another. You can't talk about Cardi without talking about Nick. But you can't talk about Nick without talking about Kim. Like, you know what I'm saying? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So for me, I'm never looking at the differences. I'm always looking at the similarities. Like, how can we create a point of reference? You know what I'm saying? In such a way that it informs who you would later be. Like, you can't talk about Nick without talking about Missy. Without talking about Eve. Without yeah. talking about Trina. Queen. Without talking about et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Without talking about Roxanne, Shantae. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, it all it all informs um something else. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, it's important work. It's great. So tell me about the movie more because Yeah. Now the movie what I found fascinating about it is that most people are covering a topic or an era. Yeah. Nobody actually covers the people that are covering in the stuff. Yeah. It's like what was your motivation, especially yeah like the 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 old cat, yeah, the original cats that were this they're foraging a new, yes, a, a new territory, they're telling a story that never had been had never been told before,
0: absolutely, um,
1: so yeah, tell me about let's talk more about the movie
0: for sure, so how it happened, um, I was writing for an online hip-hop publication, um, and I was writing a few peop uh writing a few pieces, and then the guy who who ran it asked me to be the editor- in chief so I was like, all right, cool I'm I always take on, not always, but most of the time I take on projects that I have no clue what I'm doing. Just because I'm like, oh, I figured it out. And shout out to Google. Excuse me. No. So, yeah. So, he asked me to be mm-hmm. editor-in-chief. I was like, all right, cool. I realized I didn't know any hip-hop journalists. That's a little awkward. <laughs> <laughs> the writing like, about okay, what hip-hop. You, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> what so, do I do? Yeah. yeah, so I think the only person I knew at that time might have been Dream Hampton because the coded had just come out. That's right? So, funny. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> really? my mentor, she gave me like five names. She was like, oh, you need to look up Joan Morgan, Greg Tate, Danielle Smith, um, Dream Hampton, and what's one other? Nelson George. I was like, all right, cool. I couldn't find substantial information about them personally on Google. And, which is crazy because those are is, huge
1: names listen, for like Nelson George, come on. like EPs, everything. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Come on.
0: So I couldn't find substantial information about them personally. But more importantly, I couldn't find their work online. Mm. Like, none of their work. So I'm like, what do we have here? So I, I'm i like, all right. Going back. And I wasn't thinking about archiving at that time by any means. I'm like, source material. Oh, I need the source magazine like i need to purchase the magazines that they were <laughs> writing in or yeah. the newspapers that they were writing in so that actually led me to start my own archive of hip hop magazines i have like every issue of the source i'm I sorry
1: have. if i missed it what year was this what did, this did was like
0: um on. was this like oh nine oh nine okay i just want to get like a time frame 11, where i'm like
1: where can't you yeah yeah, yeah.
0: 2010 11 yeah, I was in I was in undergrad. So yeah, probably like nine, ten, eleven. Um, but okay. yeah.
1: So yeah, so you purchased the story. Yeah, so I started start, yeah.
0: purchasing the magazines online and I was like, Oh, who tells a story of the journalist when they're the ones telling everybody else's story? And I think I tweeted that. Like, hmm. so I'm sure in my archive of Twitter, <laughs> uh, it is literally that tweet. And I was like, Oh, why is there no doc on the writers? Like that's That feels crazy to me. You know what I'm saying? So I always look at hip-hop again around what's missing, right? I'm like, let me provide that. Um, And so I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to do a documentary. I had no experience doing a documentary ever, but whatever. So, yeah, I said I was going to do a documentary. Uh, A lot of things happened during our time. We started filming in 2015, and the first two interviews were Greg Tate and Nelson George. I was like, oh, okay. That's it, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to kick in the door, waving yeah. the four four, that yeah. is how you start. So we did that. Two thousand sixteen, we filmed maybe thirty people. I'm so grateful for every writer that has trusted me to share their story. Um, yeah, two thousand seventeen, we filmed like maybe five other people. Two thousand eighteen, we launched the Kickstarter. We raised thirty thousand dollars in like twenty nine days. We did it. My, for, it was my 30th birthday. It's actually at uh, 28 days. Twenty-eight, yes. You know what's 28 crazy? Days. I didn't yeah. remember how many days is in February. And you, Good launched
1: it in Feb- you launched it in You launched it in on in Black History. The way yes. I look at stuff also. Yes. You launched it in Black History Month and you closed it on um, Biggie's B-
0: birthday. Biggie's death day.
1: Death Death Day, death I'm sorry, yep. yes. Yeah,
0: because my birthday is February 9th. So uh, I was like, oh, let's close it with, on yeah. Big's Death Day. Yeah, yeah and yeah. it was
1: 28 days, which I thought you did his, like for the length of Black History Month. Yeah, like, that's I, all I need. Yeah. Like, I was
0: like, yeah. Nah, oh, I wasn't sorry. even. I yeah, it. clearly I got the <laughs> number wrong. Good job. If you named it, because
1: about- I Gates, you're like, this <laughs> is
0: established. LOL, LOL, <laughs> like, LOL Purpose, LOL. Oh, yeah. LOL, but um, yeah, we, we did it for 28 days. Thank you for correcting me on the number. on all the videos. No, all I the videos, it says 30 days. LOL. So, yeah, we raised $30,000. 30, that was, like, super stressful. Um, And then later last year, we bought on significant productions, Nina Bon Jovi, Forrest Whitaker, as executive producers. Oh. So here we are. Fictionless came on as uh, executive producers as well. Shout out to Ray and Carrie one time. And, yeah, and we're about Where to start post. are you are about to
1: start post-production? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. We started post. We've interviewed everybody. Period. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm really excited. Yeah, I'm just. I mean, my commitment is that the writers' stories get told, mm-hmm. and there are going to people. There are going to be people that, you know, feel like I've missed things, which is cool. You should do a doc. Yeah. You should do a book. Well, I mean, it like, just doesn't not stop. Enough. There's not one yeah. piece
1: of work that can cover everything. Exactly. That's why we all have to be working towards something. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, if this is going to be the tip of the iceberg, yes, do a doc, yeah. do a series, yeah. do a book do a podcast strictly about hip-hop journalism. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we could even talk about it now. The people that I've interviewed are really people from the first three generations of, like, this idea of hip-hop journalism, right? Mm-hmm. So you got your super OGs, you got your Greg Tate, your Nelson Georges, your Barry Michael Cooper, your Harry Allen, your John um, your John Leland's, like, those cats. Okay. And then the middle is kind of like the first... And, and I would say for... For specifically, like, Nelson George and Greg Tate, they were, like, black music writers. Like, their whole stint in journalism was not solely informed by hip-hop. Like, they were writing about Prince. Okay. They were writing about... You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. they were black music writers. And so I would say your first kind of like generation of hip-hop writers are your Dream Hamptons, your Kevin Powells, your Joan Morgans, your Kierna Mayo's, your Maddie C's, your Barbito Garcia's, your Mimi Valdez, like those. Mm-hmm. And it was mad at them. Like all of those all of those people I mentioned um, documented the 90s, right? Your Sheena Lester's, et cetera. And then your third generation is like, oh, this is really a thing. Right. And so you have your Dayton Thomas, you have your Kiba Solomon, you have like Julia Beverly, you have a lot of those people. So the doc is really going to be informed by like those three generations. That's great. It's like a nice progression
1: of time and stuff, too. As yeah. As, yeah. And style and what they worked on, what mediums they worked Absolute, on. Absolutely. Like there was
0: and yeah. they were Twitter before the Internet like you know what i'm saying yeah. like they didn't have the internet if they uh needed to do an interview it wasn't like oh you sit with cardi b for 2 hours while she's getting her hair and her makeup done it was like no dream was rolling with pop for a week you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like these people were going out and really spending time with these artists in a way that i don't know if is if it's possible today like cardi has this um she had dropped this it's funny, they actually use it for a Fashion Nova ad, but she had dropped this, Insta- I think it was an Instagram post, a story, Cardi don't need no press. That's fascinating, right? Like, the fact that sh- artists, like, yeah. what do they need press yeah. for? Yeah. But they, yeah. they do need press, but they can inform and shape the narrative how they want to do it. Yeah. Um, well, yeah,
1: now they have the tools and the control to be able to say, absolutely. you know, this is when I'm going to tell my story. The next absolutely.
0: Time. I mean, like, when's the last time You don't time have Drake to be an artist interview? to be an influencer Correct. either. I mean, you know? like, absolutely. We all have control of that. Now. We all have um, outlets that we can share um, information for. Us. So, yeah, so that's the film. It's been an interesting journey thus far. Uh, yeah, this is the what first time directing. What were some of your favorite
1: moments from the interviews? Like, is there anything that, like, changed you or impacted you? Um,
0: yeah, I mean, totally? of course. So, mm-hmm. one, just doing, we we have only but 60 interviews in a can. So we actually have the largest archive of stories from hip-hop journalists, Amazing. period. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we have so many, it's so many stories. I don't even want to give them all here. Maybe we could come back when, yeah. when the film is out. But oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. it's so many things that I didn't know. And it's just interesting. Like, they were, like, interviewing their peers. So it wasn't like, oh, I interview... If I interview Ava DuVernay right now, right? Like, mm-hmm. Ava's not my peer. Mm-hmm. Like, Big and Dream and Bones Malone lived on the same block. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they were peers um, in, in a very unique... um, In a unique way. So, like, that was... Like a major key, just as far as like having access, right, like the access that they had to these um these artists was incredible um i and I just learned a lot, like I'm a student of the culture, so I'm like, talk to me as if I know nothing, yeah, like tell me everything, um and then I'm gonna ask why, like why, and why did you do that, and why, like you know, I also realized a lot of these writers, um you know, playing with the language around journalists and writers, right, a lot yeah. of these people. Just wanted to document the culture. It wasn't like they went to journalism school. They a lot of them didn't even necessarily want to be writers. A lot of them experienced immense pain. Like write, like writing is a crazy process. Um. So yeah, that was interesting. Um. Real finding out the people that they read is mm. also like fascinating. That's true, right? Cool. So I spoke to Karen Amayo, and we were talking about like specifically Black woman Aquarius writers. Okay. Right. Alice Walker, okay. Toni Morrison, uh-huh. like, like you know, you know Aquarius. What I'm the most most
1: geniuses are are born under the sign of Aquarius. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, Shout out to me. Generally, speak. Are you an Aquarius? Yeah. Like, go ahead. Hey. Yeah. Walk into it was in it. the stars. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. But the, it is. It's that's they say that, <laughs> and so style, it, it would that. make sense that the cross section of
0: okay. like women would also be Aquarius. Guy. And here we are. Like yeah. Oprah's Aquarius. Ah. Michael Jordan's Aquarius. Really? Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. But yeah, my husband says it all the time. Like we were trying, we were hoping uh my oldest son was gonna be an Aquarius, we ended up being a Pisces. No. He's like, You can do this. <laughs> I,
0: don't
1: think, I don't think I could do this. Yeah, when I have kids, <laughs> I'm gonna
0: start thinking about that in advance. Like, uh-huh. oh yeah, me and your father were well, yeah, yeah, actually intentional about you being an Aquarius. Let's see what's up. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Shout out to Aquarius. But yeah, those Ooh. those are some of the keys that I got. Um
1: That's interesting. Okay. So yeah, so what about them? Just the fact that they... Yeah, yeah, no.
0: So I was I was talking to Kierna. So Kierna is an Aquarius. Uh-huh. So we were just talking about how those women shape her writing, uh-huh. right? Like, those are the type of women that she was reading during that time. And, you know, what it just looks like in the spectrum of writing. Um, so, yeah. So I think that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I learned a lot.
1: Such a, like align so it's just like this writer is influenced by this writer right mm-hmm. and it's like talking about the preservation and the importance of preserving the yep. information you gotta speak for us names. to be able to find writers to identify with to be able to do your justice to do these people justice and documenting their story and their honesty so that somebody else and moving forward can be influenced by this work yeah um and let it shape their work it's that's the you gotta you gotta keep that cycle going, and we can never break that cycle of
0: archiving our stories and telling our stories absolutely, yeah? absolutely, because if we don't talk about and Toni Morrison has a dot coming out, if we don't talk about Tony Morrison in a hundred years, will they be talking about Toni Morrison exactly. and how will they be talking and about how will they, are they, they be talking Robert about Morrison. like Tony Morrison is one of the greatest writers of all time, period mm-hmm. you could put periods in one period of period the Period, greatest period, greatest, period of period, all period time, period. Like she's the goat. Yeah, she's the GOAT. like. You know what I'm saying? Like, but you have to also talk about Zora, Zora, Zora. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, all of these things inform, um, inform the others. Oh, so she wrote this piece for James Baldwin. Uh, it was like his old, I think, for his obituary in the New York Times. I have a piece of it tatted on me. Um. She said, like, the summer's, oh, it's so good. It's like the summer's, no, the the season is always Christmas with you here. And, like, one aspect of that scenario, you did not neglect to leave, to leave at least three gifts. Like, come like come on. Like, Tony Morrison yeah. is the GOAT. She said, um, I'm, I'm, like, low-key ready to pull it up on my phone it. and read it. Because yeah. it's so, Do it. I know That's I have good. it saved. Um, James Bold. Shout out to Google. Um
1: I don't know how I would live anymore. Like that that's why I think everything's so like we have just so much power. Yeah. There's so much power at our fingertips that the stuff that we can do and put together. Like your project without the internet and access Yeah. to all like this information we couldn't we yeah. couldn't we talk about libraries burning all the time and that's how Listen. you attack a, that's how you attack a culture. The first thing that you do is you burn the libraries. Listen people you have to understand how important this is. Yeah.
0: Yo, so the piece is called uh his Light," his voice remember life and his language, mm-hmm. uh December 20th, 1987. Uh and I'ma just read the last piece because this is so you knew didn't you how I needed your language and the mind that formed it, how I relied on the fierce courage to tame wilderness for me. How strengthened I was by the certainty that came from knowing you would never hurt me. You knew, didn't you? How I love your love. You knew. Then this is no comalty. No, this is Jubilee. I'll crown, you said. Has already been bought and paid for. All all we have to do, you said, is wear it. And we do, Jimmy. You crowned us. Like, come on. I need somebody to write about me. Like how, <laughs> you know, she wrote about James Baldwin. Like, dad, like you knew, didn't you? I was like, yeah, yeah. I knew. Yes, I knew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah shout out to tony morrison yo that made me emotional yeah i'm, <laughs> I'm like daggone you knew didn't you how i needed your luck lo- like whoo yeah tony's
1: the goat no one will crown us if we don't crown each other correct yeah yeah i would that's one of my work with uh my children's brand mm-hmm. um a lot of like our marketing stuff i focus on showing us in just normal light because one of the most impactful moments, moments I had in my adult life before I, like, started my career.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I was in the Smithsonian Portrait Museum. Ooh, come on. So I'm looking around, and I'm like, okay, you know, walking up to all these images mm-hmm. that, you know, none of them are us. Yep. And you, you know, finally found a brown face. I walk up to it, and it's just like, this man, like, moved earth. Killed, slayed the dinosaurs. You know, stopped the sun from engulfing whatever. Oh God! Like it's like yeah, basically that's (laughs) that's what this man had to do to make it to this wall. It was Mm. like wow, that's so impressive. Mm. And then you went like a couple of pictures down, and it was just like this was somebody's (laughs) farmhand. Yeah, like literally, it's just like she milked the cows and was a good friend to Uh, Martha Washington. uh, And you're like wow, her like third homie, who she probably probably didn't even know her name, made it to this. Museum to be preserved for centuries yeah. upon centuries upon time to be included in this country's history as part of the story. And it's part of it's like it's inspiration to do what it's doing and it's yeah. greatness. And it's just like and, and that's the one image we have up there. Yeah. Um,
0: Institutions matter, though.
1: They do. Yeah. They do. And we the, to use you, one thing I was reading one of the um, uh, interview that you had done about the basically the gist of it was like the social responsibility of fame. Mm. And I was also listening to an episode. Remember when when uh Belafonte and Jay Z had that little beef? Yeah, yeah. Where he called him out. Yeah, he went, I remember that? You talked about that for a second, like that. Um, he called basically Harry called Jay Z out. Yep. on not giving back. Yep. Um. And they started addressing the social responsibility of fame in that conversation, basically. And Jay Z came back with a verse and was yeah. just like, "You don't know what I'm doing." Yeah,
0: like Mr. Dayo major fail. Yeah. yeah, and how he, you know, he Jay talks about how he gives is anonymous, right? Like there are a variety of levels of giving, and and I think like it's not a. I live in a world where everything is like yes and, mm-hmm. right. Like, so people should be able to determine based on how they move in the world, how they should give back. And, like, if somebody has a level of influence, what does it look like for them to share a particular narrative? Also realizing just because somebody has fame in a particular way doesn't mean they need to be speaking about all the things. Yeah, Right? So, you know, it's about how a person you know, decides that they want to move and how they want to give back in the world. His And, and I'm not speaking for Jay or um, speaking for Mr. Belafonte by any means, but if you decide you're, the most impactful way that you can give to a movement is money, do that. If you feel like the most impactful way for you to give to a movement is speaking out and sharing your voice and protesting, do that. Like, do what is most uh, powerful to you. Like you don't just because somebody says you need to be talking about a particular like if you are ignorant about the topic, you are actually not the best person to be talking about the thing, yeah, right.
1: I'm actually amazed by like I'm talking about this moment in time in hip hop, and like as much as people want to like shit on hip hop and music and pop culture right now, I have a, I've, I don't think in my lifetime, and I grew up in the nineties mm-hmm. I don't think I've seen such activism
0: mm-hmm.
1: um from pop culture in this way, like. Mm. You know, like, I, folks are actually doing something.
0: But but I also think it looks different, right? Mm-hmm. In the 90s, there was no Instagram. You didn't, see what, I didn't people see what people
1: were doing. Were doing. Except for Michael. Yeah. You always saw what Michael was doing. God bless him. You know what I'm yeah. saying?
0: Like, you don't... It's just access. Yeah. It's access and visibility. One, do you need to... You know, because even think about the generation before. You got uh Fannie Lou Hamer. Like, you have Diane Nash. You have... People are just... Figuring out who these women are, yeah, and they were like OGs in a movement. So it's like, but it wasn't visible. Now you can kind of see what people are doing, or you can add up, you know, from what you have on social. And people are more, you know, more outspoken on their whether it's political politics, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it, you know, it really depends. It depends Do you feel on like you've you had move. more
1: access to help, like while you were moving, because we're somewhere connected? Um, like within the industry, have people helped you reaching out? Like I know some you you work with good mentors that have helped you a lot. But
0: yeah, I mean, I'm I'm always grateful for the mentors, but but help in what capacity? Are you talking
1: about? Like you did a Kickstarter. Did yeah. that come from the culture as far as like funding that? Where did you do outreach campaigns? Yeah, so did, we did Did All Stars the... help you. Did artists help you out? Is anybody involved in that capacity?
0: Um. Or... Yeah. No. So nobody's involved in that capacity. But I firmly believe that when you do the work, th- things work mm-hmm. right. Like that. Like. The culmination of doing thirty interviews during that time was raising thirty thousand dollars. So, like, the proof was in the pudding. Uh, so it's like you want to donate. Like doing that Kickstarter wasn't like, oh, is she going to do the documentary? Mm-hmm. It's like we interviewed thirty people. The doc is done. Like you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so it was like help support getting um, getting it finished. So people were supportive. One, I think, and all of this is assumption because. I had already done the work. Yeah. Right? Um, But two, it's also never been done. So it's like, I suggest you roll with the click. Who you with? Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? So it's that too. Um, And I've tried to be super transparent with all the writers. Like, my commitments to them. Like, to really tell their stories in a way that's never been told before. Um, So just being, like, not only transparent, but being super vulnerable. Like, yo, I wasn't there. Yeah, Like, when Bones was interviewing Biggie Smalls for the King of New York, Sarita Gates wasn't there. When uh, Mimi Valdez was interviewing Big, or when she was interviewing Pun and um, Fat Joe for... Like, Sarita wasn't there. Like, I was a kid. I was a hip-hop and shorty rock. So I only have the information that they choose to tell me. Um, And so, you know, the work will reflect that. Yeah. So, I mean, whoever supported with the Kickstarter, I'm super grateful, always thankful, gratitude, gang. Uh, we definitely firmly believe in in gratitude. And, you know, if, you know, celebrities or stars want to help in another capacity, like, holla at me. What's up? Did
1: you, you said that one of the last updates was that you were going to interview artists. Did you end up doing that?
0: So we didn't do that yet, mm-hmm. but it it will probably happen during post. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, we interviewed Quincy Delight Jones. That's a, you know, he ain't no slouch. Yeah. He the father's from the, he, <laughs> he's the quadruple OG. That's like, if you major. talk about his body of work, like. And he's still creating. Like he just did, <laughs> yo, Q is wild. He just did um, like the soundtrack for The Shed, like that just opened in New York. This dude was like eighty something, still getting at work. That's, I think, one
1: of the, uh, my favorite interviews that I ever read. Was it was it Vanity Fair? Quincy Jones' Van- Vanity Fair interview. Did you read that? Right I don't now? know. I, oh, that's so it. good. It's, when he broke yeah. down everything. Like oh. he, was always, he was like, I'm the guy uh, playing the piano in the back that everybody forgets about. Yeah. Like in the White House. So
0: he has like he has all the stories. Yeah, he he's,
1: he's everywhere at any moment in major history.
0: Yeah, period. Because he's music. The way music is. Yeah, like <laughs> MJ. He is. Every- mm-hmm. Come on. Yeah, he's he's the GOAT.
1: So let's talk about some of your other work that's supporting all this and ini- these initiatives. Yeah. Like that are I'm sh- I shouldn't say supporting, but you're doing it in parallel. Yeah, right? absolutely. And it's all supporting the major the Gates, the Gates Preserve Initiative. Yep. But uh, the Stay Hungry.
0: Yep. Y'all stay hungry. Yep.
1: So with Stay Hungry, you mentioned it briefly. You said that it's a competition. Yeah. Um,
0: Live culinary competition, bridging Hip Hop with food and beverage. Started in the hallway, literally in August Martin High School five years ago. That feels crazy. Where's August Martin? It's in Queens. East? Southside, East? Jamaica, Queens. Okay. Baby, you heard me. That's where I'm from. Um, Excuse me. Yeah, so even that idea was sparked because I was like, what's missing? Like, I actually wanted to be a chef. Um, when I was in high school, it says I want to be a chef in my yearbook, which is <laughs> actually pretty funny. But um, I've always been like a hustler. Like, so in high school, I was selling two-way pages. I was also selling lasagna and macaroni and cheese and like 7-Up cakes and carrot cake. So you made it and then you sell it? Yeah. Yeah. committed. It's like, I'm not <laughs> about to ask my mother for money. Like, that's weird. Like, you know, Demetrius I mean, yeah. yeah. You know, whatever. Shout out to my mom. My mother was helping me move them at like her job. <laughs> listen, That's $60 fantastic. a pan for lasagna in high school? Yeah. Wow. I yep. was like, I just You're want Gucci sneaker my money. my children. I'm like... them
1: to you. <laughs> oh I'm like, just listen to the lasagna story, Adam.
0: Just yeah. To... I mean, I was selling bookmarks in fourth grade and popcorn in fourth. Like, so it. there's a story. It all leads up to Y'all Stay Hungry. But um, I was in fourth grade and I was taking a popcorn that my mother used to buy at Costco's and selling them at after school because the after school snacks were wet. Supply and demand, right? So uh I was doing that and one day in particular, I'm leaving, my mother comes to pick me up from after school and the janitor is like, Sarita, don't forget me tomorrow. So my mother's like, <laughs> What? I, what you mean, don't forget me tomorrow? My mother's ready to pull up, which is only right. What? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, No, 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 no. The popcorn. That's how my mother found out I was selling popcorn at <laughs> school. Like, yeah. But she was going, she was going to Costco's. She was buying a pack that had 24. And I wasn't. I'm sure I didn't really think about doing the math then, right? Like, Mm -hmm. fourth grade, how old are you? Ten? Nine? Yeah, like, yeah, nine years old. Yeah, so I'm probably eight, right? So, like, I wasn't like, oh, if I get a box of popcorn and got 24 in a box, I could sell them for a dollar a piece. I could, I like, I'm sure I wasn't as intentional about that math. But I'm like, in fourth grade, all you need is a dollar to go to the store and Mm -hmm. you're good, right? So, yeah, selling it in, you know, solar in fourth grade. That's how my mother found out she was like oh you're serious so we did like bookmarks i was doing two-way pages when two-way pages was popping
1: did um, you make the bookmarks or did you resell nah, the bookmarks? i made the bookmarks okay, i went to costco's i was getting the stickers
0: <laughs> and the construction paper and i was taping it on the sides i'm sure my mother still has this stuff she's like a low-key archivist for real but yes yeah, so i was selling I food it. um and you know i wanted to be a chef 100 years later, not really 100 years, but maybe like 10 years later, I was like, oh, I want to do something around like hip-hop, food, and art. Hmm. Right? And then I was like, let me Google hip-hop and food. And when I Google hip-hop and food, the only thing that came up was like lyrics of rappers talking about food. Hmm. A T-bone steak, cheese, eggs, and Welch's grape. Spaghetti, fettuccine, and real. Uh, fish, which is my favorite dish. Like, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, And I was like, oh, this is interesting. Again, thinking about what's missing in the culture, I was like, oh, hip-hop is all about beef, but there's Ah. no competition. Let's create the competition. (laughs) Um, And so, (laughs) yeah, Yo' Stay Hungry was born. We did our first joint at August Martin High School in 2015. We literally did it in the hallway. It was right after um, I had worked on this project with the young people in the school to... We partnered with Five Points. Was um, that the Rainbow Skittles? Yeah, it was yeah. the Operation Skittles Project. Operation yeah. Skittles. Um, shout out to Marie and Mears from Five Points and all the artists that came out to August Martin High School to to put that up. But shout out to Mears. Hey Mears, I know yeah. Mirrors from way back then. Yeah, yeah. Um and Marie definitely helped help make that happen. Um, but yeah, they had a culinary program in the school and I was like, all right, I don't know what I'm again, story number two, mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm doing. We gonna figure it out. Um. So yeah, I reached out to uh Al Simone, who's a you know amazing chef. She's out here in the world killing it on TV, all in the videos. Um. But yeah, we made it happen. We got some co-chefs, and that was year one. And then the
1: kids cooked and competed with each yes, other. Yes. And then the kids were from. Did they have all like, all over? You just opened it up and said, "Come compete. Yeah, you want pull to do up. it? Do it. If right. you
0: don't know how to make sandwich, come through. We'll teach you how to make a steak." You know what I'm saying? Like, so it was it wasn't all students that had culinary backgrounds or culinary aspirations. It was just like if you're interested in cooking, literally pull up. So we had like five high schools from around the city. You know, um, they, you know, gave us some of the, their young people to take care of. And that was our first joint in the hallway. And on May eighteenth, two thousand nineteen, we just did our fifth annual Biggie Smalls. Y'all stay hungry. Culinary competition. So that was a movie. That was a movie. Tell me about it. It was it says yesterday. It was yesterday. Yes. Yesterday. Yeah. Shout out to the team. Shout out to Cat. Shout out to Ariz, Shout out to Zach. Thank you to all the volunteers. Matt, the violinist. Videographers. Photographers. Everybody. All the audience that pulled up. Young people who participated. It was our first time make um, doing a competition with middle schools, middle school students, and high school students. Mm. So that was really dope. Like we had like fifth graders and sixth graders. On the same team with like high school students. That's so cute. You know, it was. cute. <laughs> I was like, so what, is, "What are y'all doing in fifth grade?" Yeah. I'm not. I wasn't cooking none of this stuff in fifth grade. So we partnered up with some really amazing chef coaches, um, and yeah, we gave them some lyrics, and they made it happen. So um, you give
1: them lyrics, and then they make food, make dishes based, based on, on the, the lyrics. lyrics.
0: Yeah. So the that's so great. Yeah. So we had, um, and so that we have a panel of judges, and they're they are, they, are, they are judged on. Taste, presentation, and creativity. Okay. So Mr. Takeout won. Shout out to Mel. Um, he won the competition yesterday. Him and his team, Team Takeout, and the judges said, "Oh no, this was true to the lyric." I wish I could remember the lyric, but they was like, "Oh, this is very true to the lyric," and they was like, "It was excellent. The presentation was amazing." So yeah, we're out here, and we're gonna start with these. Great. Yeah, we're gonna start. The adult competitions in the fall, so I'm really, really excited. Do you about that. document them? Of course.
1: Where can we can we see them? Everything
0: YoStayHungry.com. YoStayHungry.com. Or YoStayHungry.com. I'll oh, we'll give you guys
1: the link for that in the show in the show notes. Yeah, also.
0: for sure. Um, so yeah, we're out here really just building a business, um, reimagining what this business model could look like. You know, think about scaling and yeah, it's a great show. We on it, That's baby. That's a great TV show. Yeah. I would watch that. Yeah, it is. That's great. I would watch that right now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Let's leave and go Let's watch, go watch Let's it. Let's go watch it. you Go still it right com. now. Look at that. I love it. Yeah. I love it. it and then
1: you're also working on. Uh, we we talked briefly about the project Skittles.
0: Oh yeah. That where
1: was, also oh, at Saint Martin. Saint August oh, Martin. Yeah, right? I was
0: at August Martin too. Um, so that happened. I was working with an organization. Um. And you know I was rocking with young people in the building, so we had a dream team. And in the room that I had at August Martin, it was full of graffiti. Mm-hmm. Like my man Math came through. Uh, my boy Ronald Draper came through. Full
1: of graffiti in a good way or bad way? The
0: the most excellent way, most like excellent intentional way. way. Yes. Okay. Um. And actually, I don't know what bad graffiti is. I'm an art head, so I don't, like... No, you know. I mean,
1: I'm with you, but you know what I'm saying. Like, when people sometimes say graffiti, it means, like, somebody... Ta- somebody, Like,
0: tagging. T- yeah, okay, cool. and
1: whatever. Yeah, or, like, we had yeah. pieces in a
0: room. Like, yeah. people, like, it was official pieces in a room. And so, you know, I was just rocking with these young people, like, yo, what y'all want to do in the school? The school was all white during that time. Um, and so, it was like, yo, let's paint the school. I'm like, all right, cool, let's paint the school. Like, never, again... Project number three: Never did it before, but mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm gonna support with these young people with, you know, making sure they have all the resources and tools they need to be great. I look at Myrce and Marie from five points. The young people pitch. Gave them a proposal. They um, it's funny they're grown now. I literally saw them at Yo Stay Hungry yesterday. I'm like, y'all are adults. This is wild. <laughs> but yeah, they they did a survey. They surveyed the school. They did over 300 surveys in the school to see if this was what students wanted. They had to raise money. They had to pitch to the principal. They had to pitch to St. Marie. They did like a bunch of um, a bunch of workshops just as far as like how to get people involved. They had to get volunteer. So I was in a... You know, as an adult, you in the back kind of like making sure all the things are moving the way it needs to move. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they bought 300 graffiti artists and, and street artists wow. to Yo State. To, I was going to say to Yo State Hungry, LOL. <laughs> they bought 300 graffiti and street artists in partnership with Mesa Marie um, and the Good People at Five Points to August Martin. And they painted the building. They painted the whole thing. They painted the whole thing. I don't think that has been done in DOE, Department of Ed, history. Beautiful. We made history. Like, shout out to Principal Smith. She's not the principal there any longer. And it doesn't exist any longer. Um, Yeah, you know, it's unfortunate. But we made history. Those young people changed the game. There was no other school in the world that looked like August Martin High School in 2015. That's beautiful. Why right there. I mean, you know, politics is yeah. usual. But it happened and it's documented. And it, and, it's documented. and we can say, you know, in history, like when, when young people, you know, I believe young people are kind of like at the catalyst of all social movements. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those young people in Southside Jamaica, Queens put on for their city. And I think I that's what's so important about right your support them. The
1: young people are really the catalyst and people don't often recognize that. And you're that beautiful bridge mm-hmm. that we talked about of just like respecting all the history and documenting it so these young folks can.
0: I mean, if can you ch- can move, if you want to talk about legacy, and because I don't currently have kids right now, holla at me in like two years. It's okay. You can watch mine. i nah, nah, good. Share. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Got a bunch of nieces and nephews that I could babysit. <laughs> but like, people are your legacy, uh-huh. right? So I'm like, if I can inform, if I could shape, if I could support. 100,000 young people across the world, I'm good. Yeah. Whenever it happens, like whenever my life is a wrap, there will be people outside of my family that say, oh no, Sarita did the numbers. So, you know, that's really the goal. And so I'm like, every time I go speak to young people, college students, et cetera, I'm like, yo, holler at me. But follow up is important. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, I'm open to share as much information as I have et cetera. But you got to be on it. Like, you're not going to get a connect and you didn't follow up or you didn't show why you are worthy to have that connect. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to do the work. Like, if you ask any of the young people I rock with, Sarita always says, when you do the work, things work. Period. Vision is clear even when my intuition isn't. Paid. No, um, yeah, we're gonna get an institution, of physical space in the next year or so. So I'm really, really excited about that. That's what I wanted to ask you about. That is yeah. so great. Physical space matters. Um, shout out to Nipsey mm-hmm. Hussle. He was really, he was a reminder of the importance of physical space. Like having the marathon store that people can go and visit. Mm-hmm. Like if you think about. The Carnegie's, you think about Rockefeller Center, you think about except like you yeah. need a space. The establishment. A location. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And so. a multi sensory experience yep. for folks. Exactly. Exactly. It. Yeah. Yeah. RIP, the late great neighborhood yeah. nip one time. Um but yeah, so the Gates Preserve, we're definitely gonna have a physical space soon. We're in conversations with some new In athletes. New York. Yes, in New York and hopefully in a in a few other cities. Um uh, looking at Chicago. So I'm oh. really excited about that. Um, but yeah, we have some acquisitions in the works, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just really building the team because the Gates Preserve is like the parent company of like most incredible, uh, shout out to my partner Randall with that. Um, you know, yo stay hungry, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. We just trying to really build the team. Um, so if you think you got the juice, holla at me, gatespreserve at gmail.com. Um, we'll have the team look through all the things. Um, but yeah, so that's that's what's next. The film will be released really, really, really soon. Um, so we're excited about that. We got some other things in the works. You know, I don't want to talk about all the things, but we yeah.
1: You keep us updated. Yeah. I wanna know. And then how do we support, keep track of the Gates Preserve?
0: Yeah. Um, so we're on social at the Gates Preserve. Um, yeah, use the hashtag See what's up. Just stay in the loop. You can follow me at Savita Gates on everything. Um, I'll be talking that Gates Preserve talk. Um Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So you work a lot with kids. Like what are some lessons that you've learned with them recently? Uh they just remind me to be patient all the time and often. It's like patience really matters. Um, and I think working with young people, it's like, you kind of, it's like a relationship. You have to be in it for the long haul. Like I want to see, I think it's fascinating being able to see the young people that I worked with at 14, I see them at 20. Like, like, dang, you really grew up, huh? Um, and you know, I'm not that much older than them. So I'm learning, I'm learning about myself in relation to them. Right. So they are also teaching me about myself. So yeah, those are kind of like two of the big lessons, like. Patience and them teaching me about me. So I'm grateful for them for that. So just in general, I was just hoping you could speak on, like, how you went about, like, building your team for, like, each of these projects. Yeah. Because <laughs> like the these are very, very big, yep. ambitious things that you're doing out okay. here and you're succeeding at them. So You're not was, doing bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I use the hashtag team us. Like, mm-hmm. we really believe in team. Like, mm-hmm. I'm very clear. I use it in my language. I say We often and all the time um i really want people that rock with me to feel like they they are too creating this work you Mm -hmm. know what i'm saying like it's not like yeah it might have been my vision but if people have said yes to the vision and when you say yes to the vision you are not only supporting to make it happen but you are shifting and shaping it you know what i'm saying like i trust my team so when they have input i'm like okay let's really consider that so just as far as like building the team I'm always like, look at the people you got around you. Mm. So in Yo Stay Hungry, my right hand is my best friend. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Cat one time. Like, Aris, who runs the kitchen, who's the culinary lead, rocked out in the first Yo Stay Hungry. Zaki, who's the music curator, I've known him for over 10 years. You know what I'm saying? So they are part of the team. They've always been around, and and I think it's making requests of people, right? Like mm-hmm. I actually need support doing A, B, C, D, and E. Like when Cat, you know, was rocking out Year One when we were in the, when we were in that hallway, she was doing PR. Hmm. Like Cat ensured that we had New York One, and you know, we had like a other a, a few other like websites do some stuff on us. She was doing PR. Now she's running the show, literally. Like I walked in that building yesterday, and I was like. You did us, huh? Like, like <laughs> wow, you really out here doing the work. But again, it's a team. Like, it's no, I believe it's like no hierarchy, right? So it's like, I'm not more important than Aris. Mm -hmm. Aris is not more important than Zach. Zach is not more important than Kat. And because we move at that level, it's like I respect them as humans. It's easy, easy, I feel like, for people to say yes. Mm -hmm. And so even just when making that request, I tell people all the time and often, I'm going to make a request of you. But I'm also not the person who just hollers at people when I need them. I'm always like, yo, hey, send a text out. Hey, hope all is well. Just checking in. I don't need anything. So it's like really fundamentally like relationship building. Like, how up, like building, you got to check in on your grandma. Yeah. That's important. You got to check in with your little cousin. That's important, and so when I am making requests of people to join the different things, whether it's Yo Stay Hungry, whether it's the doc, shout-out to Salome and Ash one time, um, you know what I'm saying? Whether it's whatever the project is, people are saying yes because I'm clear of what they want to do, and they are clear of what the big vision is, and so they can say, yo, I actually want to support with making that happen. And, you know, just when you're building a team, the same team who might be creating it in the beginning might not be the same team that's around when it's a multi-million dollar company. You know what I'm saying? And so it's also being willing and flexible to know that that might change. And who like running a business changes a person, right? So it's like who I was last year mm-hmm. is different than who I am today. And it's different. It's going to be different than who I am next week or a year from now. And I'm, I try to be as, Uh, transparent with my teams, right? So it's like the Gates Preserve has a team. Yo, Stay Hungry has a team. Most Incredible has a team. Like, I try to be as transparent as possible just because I'm clear that I don't know all the answers. But what I also think I do very well and it supports with building a team, I'm like, who's the smartest person in the room? Mm. I need to bring them on board. Because I'm clear, like, I'm not a genius at production. That's not what I do. I'm not a genius at, uh, Thinking about things for the kitchen. I'm not a genius at archiving, but I'm like, who's the most brilliant archivist? Let me holler at them. You know, shout out to Britton one time. Um, she's doing some amazing work in the world. So I think those are like a variety of kind of like major keys just around like fi- finding teams. But start with the people you know now. Because people, I think when you say you want to do a thing and you actually do the thing you say you want to do. That is the game changer. Like everybody's like, oh yeah, I want to write a book. Oh yeah, I want to open a magazine. Oh yeah, I want to open a McDonald's. Oh yeah, I want to do a thing. But you, if you do the thing you say you want to do, people like, okay, I rock with that because you, your word was everything, and everything you said you do, you did it. Couldn't talk about it if you ain't live it. Yeah. So
1: you know what? That's so true. It's it's with everything. It's just like finish most authors, like something like. 90-something percent of authors don't actually finish the book that they start, and that's why they never come out.
0: So it's like, just finish the book. And it's it's not for everybody, right? I'm also, I'm not the person where it has to be perfect for it to go. I'm like, I just want to ship the thing. Like, Mm -hmm. there has, Yo, Stay Hungry, again, we've done it for five years. It's been different year one. I didn't know what I was I didn't even have a network of chefs year one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was like, I could bring you out of kids. <laughs> That's <all> I got. <laughs> but like, it's looked different year one, year two, year three. And it should it be. Evolves, it yeah. should evolve. Because if you're not evolving, like, what are you, what are you really yeah. doing? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, just, again, I'm like, That's just put great the advice. thing out.
1: That's great advice. Because a lot of us, I'm guilty of that oftentimes. So is she. It's my niece. Mm. But we, our whole family, we have to put out. Something perfect, yeah. So it's really hard to push stuff out, and only recently in my adult life was I was just like, you know what? I'm just gonna start chucking everything out.
0: Cause what is also perfection, right? Exactly. Because it's I think of perfection like a website. You could put up a website, mad detail oriented, as far as the text, the images, the video. As soon as it's out, you like, damn, I want to put, I want to add a sign up page. I wanna. Add, I, we should have Add this video. We should have took off. Like you know what I mean. So it's like it's never actually gonna be perfect. But if you are committed to doing your best work and whatever your best work looks like, and you put that in the world, then it's like we did a great job. Mm-hmm. And that's all you could do. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's
1: beautiful. Just ship
0: the thing. I looked up some advice
1: that you had. Oh, um, lol. Well. Yeah, there was a list that advice. I found, and we've been going with it. And I'm sitting there taking notes, like, yeah, I gotta do that. <laughs> um. I have I have five 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 tips that you gave. You said one always do your homework.
0: Yep. Yes. So when you said you did research, yeah, that's that it matters so much because people and you know you can't shoot people for being ignorant by any means. But if I'm coming to you and I've said yes to my time and you have not done the due diligence to make sure you're informed about what I'm doing in the world, why am I actually on your show? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you are you are in how you are moving. You are showing me that you do not respect me enough to do the due diligence it takes to know why I'm up here. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, do your homework with anything. Interviewing these journalists, I have to get the magazines because I need to read the work. Yeah. I had to speak with other journalists about other journalists. Like, I had to do my due diligence. And it gets you super, f- like, you know what I mean, job offers. <laughs> I've been offered <laughs> just because people are like, oh, no, Savita does her homework. Mm. And if I don't know a thing, I'm also very clear, like, yo, I don't know a thing. Yeah. But I'll be like, hold on. Yeah. Let me do the Google. Like, I always talk about doing the Googles. Yeah, Like, let me do the Googles. Do- <laughs> let me do the Googles. It's like, you can't... If you say you're interested in a thing and you have not done the work to ensure that you are knowledgeable about a thing, can you really do it? Like, that's like me doing Yo Stay Hungry knowing nothing about hip-hop. Like, yeah. it, like it, I can't it speak. happens every day. Yeah. So I
1: appreciate the fact that, you know, that, that was your number one.
0: Yeah, Just I like, mean, yeah, you know, gotta be on. You you Two home. is show up. Show up.
1: But I like how you explained show up.
0: How did I explain it?
1: Like, show up often says it's like, oh, most of the time, most of the work is just showing up. And Mm -hmm. we were more like, no, like, be present. And it it was more of an extension of that. Do that research. Show up. If you like graffiti, go to graffiti. Go be places where graffiti artists are. Yeah. It's not like show up on time and do what people ask you to do. Yeah. Go beyond that. And like. Show up. You want to be a writer, hang out with writers. Yeah, Where the writers go.
0: Yeah. Cause you could yeah. literally create your own experience. Like the reason I have relationships with these hip-hop journalists now, and a lot of them are filmmakers and showrunners and executive producers, etc., is literally just because I was like, oh, if I keep like my homegirl Salome has this saying, Where's your word when it's not in your mouth? My word is on social media. Mm-hmm. You I talk about the things that I want to do often. I talk about the people that I want to rock with. I talk about you could find Mav Carter on my uh, on my Twitter account, you could talk. You could see Worldwide West is on my Twitter account. You know what I'm saying? So when I say show up, even when we did the Operation Skittles project, I knew a few other graffiti artists who came to rock out because my first, the first kind of like community service project I've ever done was a mural, and we had like graffiti artists pull up, mm-hmm. and that's how I got to build those relationships. I was like, oh, where they hang out at. If, like, you know, doing yo Stay Hungry, oh, I need to know chefs. Where the chefs at? Yeah. If I'm doing, you know, if I'm working on a project around whatever, I'm like, what? who is doing the work that I need to be associated with? So let me go find those. And being there on time, which is being there That's early. That's huge. Yeah. And doing the research.
1: And you were early today. Yeah, have to say, Five minutes perfe- early, yeah. which is perfect time. Yeah, but, of course. Yeah. No, it's beautiful. Then you said have a council. Number that's
0: number three. Have a council. What do you mean by that? Team. That's your team. Like you don't, you actually don't need to make all the decisions by yourself. Like sometimes it's actually easier if you, you know, confide. Hey, what do you think about this? Like I was just sharing the BMW story, right? Like I could have went and bought a BM then. I also was like, uh, my OG got a BM and she got a Benz. and she got, "Mm, let me ask her. She's yeah. more informed about this subject than I am. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So let me just highlight at the person who's more informed. Yeah. And so because I asked her, she was like, oh, yeah, you might want to consider holding off for a while. Get this instead. Um. So, yeah, councils matter. Like, throughout history, you've seen councils, right? Like, there are pictures with Toni Morrison and James Baldwin. There's a picture with Toni Morrison and Angela Davis. There's a picture with James Baldwin and Nina Simone. There's a picture with Stevie Wonder and Marvin Ga- Yeah. Holler at your folks. That's what people are there for. And people are willing to support you and give advice. And, you know, it's just about how you, you know, how you move in the world.
1: Number four is my favorite.
0: What? was what that?
1: Give more yeah. versus give back. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I think it's interesting. Like, people talk about give back. And it's not to negate yeah. people's ideology on giving back or giving more. This is just mine's, right? Mm-hmm. You can give back. That's cool. Giving more is more in alignment with what I'm personally committed to, and more importantly, how I can be the best use of in relation to service. So I'm not necessarily going to go to a soup kitchen. That's not the best, most efficient use of my time. I rock out with some young people at Y'all Stay Hungry. That I will do. That's the best use of my time. You know what I mean? So it's like, again, giving more versus giving back. Like When people think about service, I think, you know, it's like, oh, you have to do service because you got in a situation and you got to do community service, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, nah, service is, like, I remember being a shorty and my mother's like, oh, get run all those Jordans that you're not wearing anymore. And she gave them to the other people. Yeah. That's service. Yeah. That's giving more to me. You know what I'm saying? Again, for me, giving more looks like rocking with young people. But giving more could also mean that, like, we have uh, we have scholarships that we give out at Yo Stay Hungry, right? We have a Chef Curry Scholarship, in um, which we give um, we give some dollars to young people who are interested in starting their own culinary business and/or who want to be a chef. And yesterday, we launched the for the Culture Scholarship for young people who are musical artists and/or committed to being music moguls. That's giving more. Maybe. Like, yeah. I'm like, that's something I would already do. Like, yeah. you know what I'm and saying? And like, it's
1: part of your life's work. And that's yeah. what I liked about it, as opposed to like, you know, deviating from what you're doing on a daily basis and saying giving is something else. It's like, if it's part of what you're doing or using what you're doing to give back, or give more. More, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then five was always show gratitude and be a nice person, which I just think is so important. People forget that. You don't wanna be a that Yeah. And you, I, you folks, also nice. think like with power and they don't realize that power is not everlasting. But with power, oftentimes folks pick up like an asshole perspective on things. Mm -hmm. It's sad, though, too, because
0: sometimes I feel like if I'm really nice, then nobody respects me at all. I I think it also depends, right? It's like to get work done, sometimes you got to be the bad guy. And I'm cool with that. Like, I'm not I'm not out here like, oh, I'm nice chipper all the time. Like, sometimes we got to get this work done. We got to get this money. And but if I'm meeting people in life, Hey, how you doing? You good? You ate today? All right, cool. Thank you for having me on the show. Like, I appreciate. Like, that doesn't take anything away from needing to get to work done. It's like, yeah, just be cool. Just show gratitude. Because if you're a nice person, people want to chill with you. And not to say I'm a nice person because I want people to chill with me. Like, I'm cool. Like, I'm cool. But, you know, we believe in gratitude. We believe that everybody eats. We believe in team us. And there's nothing to just be a nice person and to move through the world and just be like, yeah, Sarita's not cool. I right. thank you. It. Love it. The five
1: Gates Commandments. No. Ah, wow. LOL. <laughs> yeah, hello, those wow. are some gems. Yeah, right. LOL. Wow. All right. That's our show. Biggest thank you to our dope guest, Sarita Gates. Thank you, Sarita. All the links and handles you need are available in the show notes and on the BrownCEO.com. Thank you to our wonderful sponsor, the Brown Crayon Project, and to our family here at the Brooklyn Podcasting Studio. We want to hear from you. Keep the conversation going. Tell us what you think. Talk to us on Twitter at The Brown CEO. Subscribe and review our podcast on iTunes or go to the Brown CEO.com.